working on the pransom, pransom hints, the handsome pransom. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, my lips are tied today. So good to have you with us. I am I'm very honored to be a servant of the Lord, and God is doing great things in this church. We are a, a word-based church. We love the word. We love God. Uh, we make no apologies for that. We share the gospel. We do it as boldly and proudly for the kingdom that we can. We, we love Jesus. But we've been just so blessed. The, this is, I will just tell you the catalyst. You know, PK, Pastor Kim, she, she, she has put up with me. There's, there's proof there's a God right there, just saying. But uh, she brought me into the office at home and said, Honey, you've got to see this woman. And I said, Okay, because we listen to Andrew Walmack. We, we, you know, we're very faithful. We love the word because he just, he just, I mean, he's just a good old boy. Just, he just, this is what the word says. If you don't like it, deal with it. You know, if you were at Lowe's, you'd have to get a ladder and get over it. You know what I'm saying? He's just going to tell you. So she brings me in the office, and I, I'm going to do whatever, you know, lovely wife says. Because I'm like, she, she listens to God all the time. And so Audrey was on, was it your phone? And so, and so, I mean, I started intently listening. And I was just, like, leaning in further and further. And uh, she was telling the praise team the story. And she said it wasn't long. He came back and said, I prayed, I called, I asked Audrey to come. And I don't know how God does what he does, but I'm very thankful that he does what he does. And I'm, I'm honored just to be able to say, would you, I know I've told you to sit down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up again. And would you give Audrey Mack a big God bless you. Can you hear me? Thank you, Jesus. Could you do me a favor? Could we stand up again? You didn't know you were going to do gymnastic in church. And could we, I like to do that, and I have a reason. Could we give Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the biggest thank you, hallelujah, glory to God, uh, just worship we can give right now. Father, we thank you. Lord, I bless you. I worship you. I thank you. Father, we turn our eyes. We turn our hearts. We turn our heart and our eyes to you because you are the source of all life. You are love. You are peace. You are goodness. You are everything we need and everything our hearts desire. So we, Father God, want to set our gaze upon you because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And for that, we thank you and we bless you. We put our expector on Holy Spirit that he may speak, that he may do what he does best. And Father, I thank you that our expectations are on you, Holy Spirit. And I pray this morning that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is willing to just change, willing to hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do and say this morning. 
And so for that, I thank you that you give us, Holy Spirit, this morning. Doesn't matter how old, how young, men, women, young, we can have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Because that's where eternal life is, to know you. And for that, I thank you this morning. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Hallelujah. You know, we, this is really what we have to do, to always keep our affection and our eyes on Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit, one of, I would say, his number one purpose of being sent to earth is to reveal Jesus to us. He wants us to know Jesus because it's in him that there is everything we could ever want to desire and need. And so we always have to keep that, not to put our eyes on anything else but on Jesus. He is the source of, of revelation. He is, the, he is the source of life. And so before I start this morning, I was, uh, I'm, to tell you the truth, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no clue what I'm going to do this morning. And I hope it's okay with you. But as I was standing here, I'm just going to allow myself just to flow with the Holy Ghost. And that is how I'm going to start with the first pointer that I received this morning from the Holy Spirit. As I was standing here, I had a word that dropped in my spirit, and I had to look on my phone to see what it meant. I heard the word neuropathy. I'm not even sure I say it right. Neuropathy, neuropathy. Well, is there somebody here, or whether you are on, is it live streamed, right? So whether you are watching online or whether you're in this room this morning, if you suffer from neuropathy or neuropathy, neuropathy, thank you. Excuse my French. <laughs> if you are here this morning and I looked, I said, what is that? I have no clue what is that. And I, and I read that it's, uh, uh, pain that is a nerve pain in the body. So if you this morning, anybody, you have this problem? Quite a few of you. Neuropathy. I'm going to ask you to do something. Stand up. It's like nerve damage or pain caused by a nerve damage. So when God, my goodness, I was expecting one, two people to stand up. So this morning, when God gives a word, there is life with that word. So you have to know that if God took the time to speak to me there as I was minding my own business, worshiping God, <laughs> and he spoke, dropped that word in my spirit, it means he wants to heal you this morning. Yes. So that means that it's an opportunity for you to release your faith. And what does this mean to release your faith? Is that number one, you believe that word is from God. Number two, the moment you pray, you do a, there is a spiritual transfer of anointing that will go in your body. And at that moment, 
Amen. There's power in the word under God's leading. And you have at that moment, like a little child, received the kingdom of God. Received that anointing saying, yes, Lord. I might not see, know, or feel anything. But at that moment, I received that anointing in my body. I received that healing right now in my body. Like if you were to receive the title deed of your mortgage. How would you act? How would you respond? How, what would you say or do if somebody came and gave you the title deed of your mortgage, of your house? Come on. You're about to receive the title deed of your healing this morning. Meaning that anointing is going to go in your body. It's going to attack that wherever it started. And it's going to start working a healing and working a cure. And now, just like somebody receiving a title deed, they're going to start thinking, talking, acting different in correspondence or in, in light of what they just received. So that's what you have to do now. You're going to have to start thinking, talking, acting a little different because you received the title deed of your healing. So, Father, I pray, just put your hand on your body. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to those nerves. I call neuropathy. I call that stopped and canceled in your body. In the name of Jesus. I say neuropathy bow the knee to the name of Jesus. I release right now an anointing to heal. An anointing to go in your nerves, in your body, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And I call healing in your body right now. In Jesus' name. I call the nerves and the muscles in your body to respond to that anointing. I command pain to go. I call discomfort stop. I call healing life in your body right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Take it in. If you feel like you want to bow down, run, whatever it is, your body says, eh, you can't do that. <laughs> then said, oh, yeah, watch me. If you need to run around the room, then just feel free. If you need to kneel down, bow down, whatever it is, that you need to do to respond to it and tell your body, watch me. Body, you obey me and not the other way around. Oh, hallelujah. It is so important, you know, to understand when we talk about healing, to understand because I hear Christians so many times when they approach the subject of divine healing, they get into a petition mode of asking God, please, God, heal me. Or even, I cannot tell you so many times where, you know, when I do conferences and I go now more and more in the French-speaking world, in Africa, on the islands, and I train and equip believers to do the works of Jesus, which is heal the sick. And I have to explain to that we are not called, listen to me, we are not called to pray for the sick. Some of you are like, what? No, we're not, we are not called to pray. Jesus 
never prayed for the sick. But what did he do? He healed the sick. What is the difference? That's what he tells us in Matthew 8. Jesus sent the disciple and he says, heal the sick, cast out demon, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely you give. He never told them, hey, pray for the sick. Because what is the difference? When you talk about praying for the sick, prayer is conversation with God, is it not? So praying for the sick would mean that you would ask God to heal a person. Now, we can do that. We can ask God, if you're not, say, Lord, please touch that person. Send the Holy Spirit, touch that person. So I'm okay with that. But so many times, we revert to that, and we are asking God to do something he commanded us to do, which is heal the sick. And what does it mean to heal the sick? It means to start exercising our God-given authority to get the job done. I can hear a little banging, so here it is. <laughs> and that's what most people do. They're going to pray. They're going to just say, Lord, just please touch that person, heal that person. But in reality, most of the time, what we are called to do is to exercise authority, which means we don't talk to God, but we talk to the body. We talk to the problem. We talk to whatever it is that is hindering the person from walking in the fullness of life. That's why I talked to neuropathy. I talked to your muscle, to your nerves, to your body. And you see so many times people... They don't totally fully understand the authority that they have. And they don't understand that authority was God's plan from the very beginning. We see in Genesis 1.26, when God you know, created men, the first thing he did is he let us create men in our image according to our you know, likeness and let him have dominion. Over all the earth. How much? And we see. But now God right from the beginning gave men authority. But why did God give men authority over the earth? Why? So we could look good and have like something, you know. Blah. No. In Genesis 2.15, it says, Let men have dominion and authority to tend and to guard the earth and the garden. And to guard means to protect. It means to watch over. And we know what happened. Right from the beginning, God had given authority to Adam. And then we know what happened. The serpent came in. And man, Adam, what did Adam do? Nothing. He was there, he watched, he heard, but he was passive. He did not protect the garden. He did not exercise his authority. And we know what happened by doing the, the, thus, by being passive, and by not exercising this God-given authority, he yielded it or he gave it over to Satan. We see that in Mark chapter, in, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus was tempted 
And Satan came, took him and showed him all the kingdoms and their glory. If you worship me and bow before me, you see those kingdoms and you see that glory, I will give it to you for they have been delivered unto me. That was not a lie, it was true. Or it would not have been a temptation. And so who delivered that authority over to Satan? Adam, by not using it. Can I suggest to you that authority cannot be taken by force. It has to be given. It has to be yielded. And that's the reason why I have something, you know, in Jesus. I believe it's in Luke 10, 19. Jesus told the disciple, he says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now, it is true that the devil has some power. Some people don't know that. They say, I know he has no, no, yeah, he's got some power. But can I suggest to you, he's got power to lie, to manipulate, to deceive, to intimidate, so he can still kill and destroy. But when Jesus says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy, can I suggest to you that authority is far higher and more important than power? Because Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, he says, all authority has been given unto me, both on earth and in heaven. So if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? He lost it because Jesus took it back. That authority that Satan, that Adam had yielded to him. You see, Satan did not take that authority by force. He didn't come, <laughs> give that authority to me. No. What did he have to do? He knew that authority has to be delegated or given. It cannot be taken by force. So he had to lie to Adam and Eve. He had to lie to deceive them. And we see that by being passive, Adam yielded that authority over to the devil. Why? You see that Satan did not take that authority by force. He got it because man did not use his authority because men listened to the lie and believed the lie. Can I say something to you this morning? The strategy of Satan remains the same today. Jesus said, all authority, I give you all authority. We have the authority here on earth. We have the authority here on earth. But how many Christians today, especially right in front of sickness and the attacks and the lies of the devil, most people don't, they're like Satan. They're like, uh, not sorry, they're like Adam. Some of them are like Satan, but. <laughs> so many people are just like Adam. They have been given all authority over all the power of the enemy, but they don't use it. They are praying God to do something. 
They are asking God to do it all. When in reality, God has given us all authority here on earth. And if we don't use it, we lose it. If we listen, just like Adam, to the lies of the devil, and we listen to the lie and believe the lies, that is exactly what happened. We yield our authority to, to Satan. And then we wonder, why is the sickness not moving from my body? Why is my situation not changing? Why is this happening and that happening? Could it be that in the same way we are listening to the lies of Satan somewhere? We are believing it somewhere? Or we are not exercising our God-given authority? Because you know, there is sometimes those people, they have that concept that God is so, is so sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. He is sovereign in the sense that he's above everybody and everything. But people think that when it comes on earth, that God is sovereign on earth. And that he's the one moving the chess pieces and decided what, where, and how. I'm here to tell you no. Why? Because in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus told the disciple, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heavens. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. God has given us, has authority in the third, the highest heaven, but he's delegated authority to us like he did with Adam here on earth. We are the one who have authority to God to protect the earth and protect our little garden. Your body is your garden. Your family is your garden. Your business is your garden. Your sphere of influence is your garden. But if we believe the lie, listen to the lie, or we don't exercise our God-given authority by asking God to do it all, then things will not change. And sometimes people, they think, no, you know, there is those questions, and I ask those same questions. Because I had that concept at one time that God is God, therefore he can do anything, everything. And I realized that God is a God of legality. And what he does, he will do it according to his word and according to the law that he put in place. And you think, for example, you know, I don't know about you, but I had that thought one time. I'm thinking, God, when Adam and Eve, when Adam didn't use his authority, and then the Satan, by doing so, kind of took the authority, you know, he, 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 he got the authority from, you know, Adam. Why? And God just walked in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? And then, you know, he saw Adam, he says, and he said, that woman you gave me. <laughs> it's always the woman's fault, right? And then, and then Eve says, no, it's the same, Satan, it's the serpent. He deceived me. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought, why didn't God intervene? He's God. Why didn't God intervene and say, hey, time out, up top. I will take that authority back. I'm God. God didn't do that. Why didn't God do that? 
Because if he had done that, intervene and take the authority back from Satan, God would have broken his word and he would have broken his own laws. Let me explain something. It's like, you know, my husband is a builder. And this God, he renovated two little house and he rents it. And so my, when my husband puts one of the house for rent, somebody comes and said, oh, this looks at the house. I like it. So what do they do? They sign like a lease agreement. And then they get in, you know, in, in agreement. And then what does my husband do? He gives the new renter the keys. Now those keys, what does those keys do for those renters? It gives, gives them authority over that house. They will be the one closing, opening the doors. They will be the one that will allow people to come in the house. So, and do you know that legally, legally, if my husband wants to get into his house to rent, to do repair or renovation, what does he have to do? He has to call the renter and ask permission. What? My husband is the God of that house. And you know, the Bible says in some, I think it's 115 verse 16, it says, the heavens, the heaven, yes, belongs to the Lord, but the earth, he has given it to the sons of men. And you see, my husband, if he wants to go into that house to do whatever he needs to do, he has to call and ask permission to get in. That is exactly what Jesus taught us in Matthew 16, verse 19, when Jesus said, hey, guys, I paraphrase. <laughs> I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You and I here on earth have received the keys of authority because we have a lease agreement with Father God. The earth belongs to him but and the heavens, but he had signed a lease with man and given the earth to man and giveth us authority. But when, you know, people said, oh, Audrey, are you saying that we control God? We tell God what to do, how to do. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heavens and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Are you telling me I'm loosing and binding God? Mm -mm. The heavens we are talking about is the heaven of Ephesians 6, verse 12. I don't know if you can put that verse somewhere. But Ephesians 6, 12, well, let me read it to you. I don't know if you know, you know, in Corinthian, Paul is talking about three heavens. And he talks about how he went to the third heaven. And the third heaven is the, the, the heaven where God dwells and is thrown. Which, by conclusion, it means there is two other heavens. Here it is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the 
Which heavenly places? The second heaven. Between earth and the heaven where God dwells. There are powers. Jesus told us, I give you authority over all the powers of Satan. He's got powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? In the heavens. And it is on that heaven that we have authority. And so whatever we allow here on earth will be allowed in that heaven. Whatever we bind here on earth will be bound in those heavens where the wicked, the principality, the rulers of the darkness of this age. It is up to us to take authority, to exercise authority over the works of Satan, those spirits that are operating in the second. And what is it that those spirits want to do? They want to deceive you, intimidate you, lie to you. That is what they're very good at. And if we listen to the lie and yield and believe the lie, just like Adam at the beginning, we don't even realize it, but we are yielding our authority and it's not working. I have discovered in my life that most of the time when our authority is not working. Is anybody here where you've, you know you have authority, you exercise authority, and it seems like nothing is moving, nothing is happening? Anybody here? <laughs> we can always trace it back and ask, you know what the smarter thing to do is to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, it looks like, you know, instead of banging on walls, kicking and screaming, because so many times when people want to exercise authority and it, nothing is moving, you know what they're going to do? They're going to start speaking louder and more, kicking and screaming, thinking the more I scream, the more I kick, the more I repeat the name of Jesus, then I'm going to put pressure on the devil. Oh, well, you can scream all you want. You can kick all you want. Thank you, brother. I think so myself. So you know what we have to do? We've got to stop and we got to go to Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me the short circuit. Show me where somewhere I'm yielding my authority because I know I have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I give you all authority over all the power of the devil. And nothing shall by any mean hurt you. So why is this not working? Why is it? One of the main things I have to say is you have to stop and say, Lord, is there a lie I have listened to and believed? Let me give you, I, I hope it's okay, but I'm going to make myself transparent and vulnerable. I have been in the ministry since November 28, 1987. So it's not my first rodeo. 
But I remember one year I was going to Ethiopia. And I was there for five weeks teaching in a Bible college. And out of everything I was teaching on divine healing. But before I went to go to Ethiopia, my husband, like usual, would take me to the airport. And here I am at the airport, you know, a last kiss goodbye. And I hear something that says, say goodbye to your husband. It's the last time you see him. Now, let me say something here. I am a missionary. I used to go to the hardest place, places where they kill Christians, places where you have to go underground to preach the gospel. So somewhere I knew that that could be a possibility, dying for the gospel. And I was completely okay with that. I knew that was a risk I was willing to take, a price I was willing to pay. So when I heard that, it didn't scare me or it didn't alarm me. I just went, I got a little emotional, didn't tell my husband, kissed him goodbye, hugged him really big, and then I went to my plane. And then I got in Ethiopia. And right there, all of a sudden, after a few days, I got violently attacked in my body to the point, came out of nowhere, where, to the point my fever is going so high that I am laying on my bed, hallucinating, seeing things crawling on the walls. And, and all of a sudden, I'm starting spitting blood and I'm starting to get, and so I'm laying on bed, getting up in the morning. I'm going to teach in the Bible college. Then I go back, lay on the bed. And I know how to exercise authority. I have killed the lion. I had killed the bear. I had killed the giant of cancer. So I knew that. But I'm exercising authority, and it's not, the mountain is not moving. And I'm like, okay. And, and I'm in my heart, I'm thinking, but you see, I knew the word. I lived and built my life on the word of God. So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I heard the, 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 the word I heard at the airport that that was the last time I would see my husband. I'm okay to die, but I know enough to know that I'm not supposed to die sick. Dying being persecuted for the gospel and dying for the gospel is one thing. Dying because you're sick is another thing that I was not willing to compromise. But during that time, I'm wrestling with that, thinking, okay, this is what's happening in my body. And I had that word at the airport, what's going on? And then one night, I had a dream. As I'm, you know, just trying to figure out, but while the whole time I'm exercising authority, I'm speaking to my body, I'm speaking to the symptoms, I'm believing I'm receiving, and I'm not getting better, I'm getting worse. And that night I have a dream, and in that dream I'm walking in heaven with my father. And he's in his 30s in the dream, happy, and it's such a peaceful dream. And we're walking, he's showing me heaven, and we're talking and, and laughing. And then I wake up, and I'm like, God, are you trying to tell me something that I just need to accept what's going on and yield to it? But, Lord, I know that sickness is never your will. So I don't understand. The next day, I have another dream. 
I'm walking in heavens. This time I'm walking with one of my spiritual father, which is Kenneth E. Hagin. And he's in his 30s, and we're walking together, and he's showing me heaven, and we're just talking and laughing, and then I wake up, and I'm like, Father, out of the mouth of three witnesses, am I having to believe and receive that? But I know the word says, so Lord, I don't understand. And then, hallelujah, I went to the Holy Spirit. And I said, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. There is confusion in my heart. I'm not afraid to die, but I don't believe it's the will of God for me to die sick. So right now I'm confused. I got a word that I heard at the airport, those two dreams, but I know the word. So, Lord, you're going to have, and I said, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me the truth. And the next day I was doing a chapel in the Bible college, and I was sick as a dog. And I don't even know why we said sick as a dog. I dog sick. <laughs> Poor dogs. <laughs> I'm doing a chapel. And then one of the students comes in, and she shares something. She said, I just want to give a testimony. God is so good. She said, I got attacked in my body. And then, but I had a dream. And she pretty much tell my dream. And uh, she got my attention. And then she said, I had a second dream. And then it was the same dream that I had. And then she said, but I was so confused. So I went to my pastor, and I talked to him about it. And he said, this is not the Lord. This is not God. And she just, and right there she said, I saw it. And then I, in, in Jesus' name, I thought it. I got healed. And when she said that, it's like somebody pulled a curtain off. And I went, oh, Satan, you overplayed your hands. At that moment, I realized that the devil had disguised himself as an angel of light with a word, with two dreams. And while I was there confused, trying to figure it all out, my authority was not working because I was listening to the lie giving and believing a lie. But right there that, that morning, as soon as I started to see and understand that I had allowed myself to listen and believe a lie, at that moment I said, devil, I know now. So I said, in Jesus' name, sickness, leave my body. Within three minutes, the sickness was gone. And it made me realize that so many times Christians are fighting a battle and their authority is not functioning because somewhere there is a little lie that passed itself as the truth. An angel of light sometimes. That sounds so good, so religious, so God. And we don't realize that we've listened to the lie and we believed that one little lie and that Yet we exercise authority and it's not working. So instead of screaming louder and kicking a little harder, we just need to stop, tune in to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me, expose the lie. Show me what is it that is not working. Wow. And sometimes the little lie, like I said, they 
seemed so much like, I mean, look at Jesus in the wilderness. The devil even quoted scriptures to him. Yet they were twisted just a little bit. And that's what the devil has done for centuries. Passing himself for God. Lying, giving half truth. Twisting the scriptures. Giving a little lie, a little tradition, a little this, a little that. And all the while, believers are screaming, kicking, frustrated. Because they say, I know I have authority. I'm exercising authority. It's not working. So I'm here to say, instead of kicking stronger and screaming louder, pause. Tune in to the Holy Spirit. And how do you do that? Shut yourself off from the noise, the distraction. Go into a little closet. If you have to go in a closet, literally, then do it. Put worship music and start tuning to God, being quiet before God, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author of your faith, and start talking to him, worshiping him, tuning in to him. For some of you, it might take more than once because your senses might be screaming so loud. Your symptoms might be so uh, screaming. The noise, the distraction. For some, you just have to take your phone, put it somewhere. Some of you, you might have to go, I don't know, and shut yourself off somewhere away from the distraction, the people, the noise, and the to-do list. And press in, press in, press in until you feel that connection where you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying because he's speaking all the time. We're just not tuning in to his radio frequency. Sometimes healing is just that. Because I guarantee you that this is a room full of people who know the word and know their authority. And I might be preaching to the choir, but there is that one little thing because I see people sometimes so frustrated because they know things right here, but they don't understand why it's not going through. Just said, Lord, what is it? A little thing that obviously I've believed that is neutralizing my authority. Hallelujah. Can I share something else about it also? I will even if you tell me no. I'll just look at the pastor. If the pastor says yes, I'm good. How do we exercise authority? What do we use to exercise authority? A mouth. We bind. And let me say that. You know that one verse I gave in Matthew 16, 19? If you look at it in the complete Jewish Bible, listen to what it says. It says, I give you the keys of the kingdom or the keys of authority. Whatever you allow here on earth, will be allowed in the heavens. Whatever you forbid here on earth will be forbidden in the heavens. And how do we allow and forbid? With our mouth. We exercise authority with our mouth. And that's exactly what Jesus was teaching in Mark 11. You know Mark 11? Um, 
it says in verse 23, whoever speaks to the mountain. And you notice Jesus told us to speak to the mountain, not to God about the mountain. It says, whoever speaks to the mountain, commanded to be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Can I show you a connection right here? Jesus here is teaching us about how to exercise authority, which is speaking to the mountain, to the problem, to the sickness, to the body, speaking to the forces of evil, speaking to whatever is between you and the promise of God. But you notice he said, whoever speaks to the mountain and commanded to be removed and cast into the sea and does not die in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done. Oftentimes, our authority is being short-circuited. How? Because maybe you are in front of a mountain, a sickness, and you said, move in Jesus' name. Body be healed in Jesus' name. And the body looks at you and goes, nah, 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 nah. I am not moving. I'm staying here. The sickness is just, why? Yeah, you're speaking to the mountain. You're speaking to the sickness. But the next, the verse says, but believe that those things he says will be done. There needs to be, you see, God has all power because God has all integrity. There is a verse in James chapter 1, verse 26, that says, if you can put it, that would be great. James 1, 26, it says that your religion, if, if you do not know how to bridle your tongue, then your religion is vain. I'll paraphrase it. What does it mean? You know, when I read that verse that says that your religion will be vain if you don't know how to bridle your tongue, I looked at two words, the word bridle and the word vain. And I discovered that the word bridle, I'm not going to teach you anything you don't know, but the word bridle comes from the word the bridle of a horse means to bring under control, to guide. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one religion is useless. In another translation, it means is vain. And I look, the word bridle means to bridle, means to guide, to restrain, to keep under control. And the word Useless or vain means without power, without force, without success, and without result. Do you know what that verse is saying? That if we don't know how to control our tongue, our words, keep it under check, under control to bridle it, our religion will be without power, without success, and without result. And what Jesus is teaching us, in Mark 11, 23, he says, when you speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and cast into the sea. And then he said, but you believe that whatever you say will be done. 
My question is, you might be speaking to the mountain or to the sickness and say, go from the body in Jesus' name. Cancer, I curse you, go. And you believe it's going to go. But then the next day and the next day or the day before, the week before, the month before, you said things out of your mouth that you did not believe it would be done. You said, Pastor, I'm coming at 5 o'clock to help you clean the church. And it's 4.30. There is a football game on, on TV. And you're like, oh, damn. I promised the pastor I was going to come at 5 o'clock, but, man, there's my favorite team playing. Okay, I'll just tell pastor I cannot come. You'll understand. You see, you can say things, make promises that deep down in your heart, you're deceiving your heart. You don't really believe it will be done. You know what Jesus says? Let your yes be yes, yes your no be no, and anything other than that is from the devil. Here is something, I, I, I'm not here to hard, you know. I'm here to show you why authority is not functioning. Because you see God's word coming out of his mouth always had power, force, result, and success. Why? Because God is a God of his word. In Psalm 138, he said he exalts his word even above his name. He says, it's not a man that he should lie. No, it's not a man that he would change what comes out of his mouth. When God speaks, he does it. When God says, he watches over it to perform it. Can we say the same? You see, his word has power, and his word is with success and force because his word is all integrity. If our word has lost its integrity, we don't realize it. But we are short-circuiting our authority. Because on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we say things, we promise things that deep down in our heart, we not believe it will be done. We make promises we don't keep. We exact, the devil has, you see, how the devil operates, his strategies, is to disarm us. To strip us and disarm our authority. How? By keeping us passive, by lying to us, or by compromising the integrity of our word. And he has convinced this generation that our word is non-important. We can promise and break. We can exaggerate. We can lie. We can say things, things coming out of our mouth that we don't mean. We don't mean what we say and we don't say what we mean. And then we wonder why is my authority not working? Say la. But for me, this is no condemnation. For me, this is hope. It means that you and I, if we are aware of his devices... And we can expose the tactics of the enemy. We can regain that place of authority. How? By starting to renew our mind, to expose the lie, to replace them with the truth, and then to regain the integrity of our words. Can I show you an example in the Bible of how powerful 
the word out of our mouth. You see, there was a time where you did not need to sign a contract. You just gave your word. I give you my word. And our word, our influence, our reputation, or people doing business with us was contingent on the integrity of our word. The devil is come and lie to people, convincing that words are just evaporating, non-important, that it's okay to lie, to exaggerate. We've become a culture of lie, exaggeration, and, and covenant breakers. But what he has done through that, he has stripped the church of its authority. But we got to take it back and, regain, and we can regain it. Hallelujah. So we can be that powerful force on the earth. People of their word. You see an example in the book of Joshua. When Joshua was called to go to the land of Canaan and take over the land of Canaan, God had given him strict order to defeat all the neighboring nations. But then there is a nation called the nation of Gibeon. They heard of that, of what Joshua had done with Jericho. And so what did they do? They pretended to come from very far. They put shoes with holes in it. They put molded bread in their bag. They had wine skins all, you know, dry and, and, and they came looking like they had come from far away. And here the error of, of Joshua, he did not consult with God. And he heard the lie and believed the lie. He said, oh, we have heard of the fame of your God. We came from far, far, far away. And here we are, we want to have an alliance with you. And Joshua gave them his word, just a word. And then down the road, just, I don't know, weeks or months later, they realized, hey, the people of Gibeon are our neighbor. They're one of those nations that I'm supposed to exterminate. You could think, well, they deceived me. <laughs> but Joshua could not, could not touch them. He even had to protect them. Why? Because he gave his word. But here, fast forward a little bit. You find out now that Saul is becoming king. And you know how he had to obey God, which is disobedience. And God was pretty ticked off, sent the prophet, and pretty much said, you know, Saul, what you did was not good. So now in his zeal, he's thinking, I've got I've to redeem myself. So what did he do? He went to the Gibeonites and killed every one of them. And you know what happened? We find out later on. I think it's in 1 Samuel when now David is king and there is a famine. It seems like their authority is not working. So David goes to God and says, God, why is our authority not working? Why is there famine in the land? And God said, because of Saul that completely exterminated the Gibeonites. And in other words, broke the word of Joshua. 
we can see how God, our words, are so powerful. Young people, listen to me. You know, the older generation, we were raised to honor our word. But I'm talking even here, young people. You are in a generation where you have been so brainwashed, brainwashed to, to, to strip you of your identity, lie to you. That if you're a young man, you can be a young woman. If you're a young woman, you, could be, you can choose to be a young man. Lie to you and cause you to believe that it's okay to say what you feel. Break your promises. Stretch the truth. No, no, no. What you are doing, young people, you are losing your strength, losing your authority, losing your identity as sons of God. We've got to regain that. Like I said, I wasn't planning on talking of that. And I'm not going to apologize because I believe that comes from the Holy Spirit. It is a time for us. It is a time for us to be the sons of God. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans 8, I think it's verse 19, that the whole creation is groaning, groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. Who is that? You and I, the whole creation is like, when are gonna st they going to start acting like sons of God and not like wimps? When are they going to start taking their authority and speak to this and speak to that? The whole creation is groaning for you and I to try understanding our authority and to walk in that religion that is with power, with force, that brings results, that wherever we walk, the very atmosphere is changing. Thank you, Father. So here's what I want to do. If we find ourselves this morning... And we realize, you know what? As you were talking, Audrey, it became evident that I had believed a lie or that I had lost the integrity of my words. This morning, we can address both. So if you find yourself in either one of those two situations, I want you to get up, stand up. And like I said, the Holy Spirit is number one ambition is to reveal truth to us and to help us walk in that authority and walk as sons of God. He's our best coach. So I'm going to start right here in the name of Jesus. I pray and I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of truth. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that it's not just enough to know we've believed a lie. But Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'd be very close and personal. You would speak to everybody's heart. Those who said, 
I've used authority, but I, I think I believe the lie. And right here, in Jesus' name, expose the lie. Expose the lie. You speak to hearts. You speak to those, your sons and daughters this morning. You show the lie. Expose the lie. Bring to light the truth of God's word so the lie can be exposed and lose its power. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You speak. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I don't know what the light might be, but Holy Spirit does. And I pray that the spirit of revelation, it would flow through your spirit, speaking to you, exposing, explaining, equipping. And the second thing I would like to address. If you hear this morning and you realize I believed the lie of the devil that my word is not that big of a deal. And you realize at that moment with all humility, like the, the humility of a child, you realize, I said things I didn't believe. I didn't believe what I said. I exaggerated maybe I lied I broke promises if you find yourself in this category then this morning we can put a big stop and start brand new we can put on the reset button this morning because the mercies of God are new every morning but it starts with the decision it starts with humility, for God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So this morning, right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. With a prayer, with a decision to push on the reset button. She said, from today on, I'm going to be a person of my word. I'm going to say what I mean. I'm going to mean what I say. I'm going to keep what I say. I will not lie nor exaggerate or distort the truth or hold half of the truth back. I want to be a person of my word. So this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. And from your heart, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for the truth. Today, I choose to humble myself. Forgive me for exaggerating, for lying, for breaking my word. I see the deception of Satan. So today, I repent. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, for your grace, for your mercy, for your power to become a person of my word. I will say what I mean. I will mean what I say. I will say the truth and only the truth. I will not need to exaggerate. 
and I will keep my promises even if it hurts, especially when it hurts. For then I will see and experience your grace, your power, your divine force going through me. And for that I thank you. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you for the authority that you have given me. I make a decision this morning to use this authority and to use it wisely. Father, I thank you that you've given me all authority over all the power of Satan. And for that, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.